This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It appears that borders are a very big deal, friends. Borders are a big deal. In fact, they're not only a big deal in the United States, they're a big deal in Europe, they're a big deal in Israel, they're a big deal in Africa, they're a big deal in Russia and Ukraine, they're a big deal all over the world, including in your neighborhood. That's correct, including in your neighborhood. So we need to ask ourselves the question, why is it that borders are important? How is it that we can somehow disconnect the border issues related to our own country with regard to everything else that we understand about the necessity of borders and why they exist? Fascinating question, isn't it? It seems so simple on the surface, but maybe it's not as simple as we would like to believe because there are so many things that have cluttered up our minds and our hearts with regard to the issue of borders. Today, we want to find out what the Bible has to say about borders. In fact, the Bible has quite a bit to say about borders. And the Bible has something to say about why Christians should support borders. But how should we look at it? Let's suppose that listeners to this program today are a mixture of Democrats and Republicans and independents and who knows what else. We're just people. Let's just consider we're just people. We're not uh, coming to the program today with an R behind our name, a D behind our name, an I behind our name, or any other designation. We're just normal people. Since most of our listeners on this program, probably 95% or more, are claimed to be true followers of Jesus Christ, then that makes us normal, regular people, followers of Jesus Christ. Let's get rid of all the other labels and just talk about our situation as people. So that being the case, I want to ask you a question. If you own a home, would you be willing to allow a neighborhood to bring in a hundred different kids Other people who are not anchored to any community have them brought into your neighborhood. Without any place to go, without any anchor, without any uh, provision for food, without any provision for this, that, or the other, what would you, would you be willing to do that? I'm sure the answer is no. Now let's suppose that they were not brought in but they made their way in and began to traverse all of the boundaries of your yard, whether you had a fenced yard or not. They began to climb your fences. They began to uh, come into your yard, swim in your swimming pool, uh, lay out their picnics on your lawn, set up tents on your lawn, front and back, because, well, they claimed they had no place to go. How long would that last in your yard? I doubt that it would last more than five minutes. Certainly not five days. Because you would realize very quickly that something is very wrong about what was happening. There was no 
respect for boundaries or borders. No respect. So respect is a major issue when it comes to boundaries and borders, isn't it? God has his own boundaries and borders. We know that because Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7 that many would come in his name and deceive many. He said not everybody who claims to have a right to enter into the kingdom of heaven is going to get there. Only those who do the will of my Father. In other words, he's establishing a border condition to get into heaven. Just before that, in Matthew chapter 7, we're familiar with the passage where Jesus says, you know what? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And very few there are going to be that get in through that gate. In other words, the way to heaven from Jesus' viewpoint is gated. But he said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that go in thereat. In other words, there is a broad way where the masses are pouring through, there's no control, and maybe that's the reason why it is said that hell has no occupancy requirements. In other words, there's no border into hell. The people pour in there. But there's an occupancy requirement in heaven and in the kingdom of God. Now, if that were so basic to our spiritual understanding with regard to the kingdom of God, from Jesus' viewpoint, remember, loving Jesus, gentle and mild, wearing his halo like so so many people uh, see him, If that was Jesus' viewpoint, it seems to differ an awful lot from the viewpoints that are pervading in various political thinking today in our country, even among Christians, even among pastors. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Well, maybe the reason is because unless we think it impinges upon us or me and my family, or my church, or my city, or my region, or my neighborhood, well, I'm not too concerned. Now, the reason we're not too concerned with regard to Jesus' limitations about getting into the kingdom is because we don't have any control over the masses and where they're going to go. We can encourage them to go in through the straight gate that leads to life, But we don't have any control over that because somebody else does. Who has the control over the straight gate? Jesus does. He is the one who is going to determine who enters and who does not. Now, is he unkind? Is he inhospitable? You're going to have to seriously uh, begin to evaluate who Jesus is, who God is. When the scripture says he desires that none should perish and that all should come to eternal life, well, that's true. Just like our American law, for instance, desires that people apply for immigration and they go through the necessary processes because we want people to come into the country who are about what the country is about and are not coming to disrupt 
the patterns and purposes of the country. That's the same reason Jesus doesn't want people to get into heaven. They're vetted. Every human being, before they get to heaven, will be determined whether they're qualified or not. Whether they pass muster by heaven's border guards, whoever they may be. And it probably isn't St. Peter. Probably not St. Peter. So it must be Jesus. Because he's the one that's going to judge the nations, the Bible says. Now, with that having been said, foundationally, let's launch into the deep with regard to what's actually happening in our country and the countries of the world with regard to borders. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The issue of borders in our country has been a very big issue for a very long period of time. Basically, it has been an issue framed as Democrats versus Republicans. That Democrats wanted open borders, more and more people to come in, and Republicans wanted to keep more and more people out. Well, that's not necessarily true. The problem with that thinking is it's too general, it's too broad, because it doesn't go to the motivations that are behind those who want people to come in or who don't want certain people to come in but are still not uh, limiting people for coming in. Motivations of the heart and of the mind are critical, aren't they? Jesus said so. In fact, we have a whole set of uh, instructions from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 called the Beatitudes, the attitudes of being. Attitudes are critical because they form the ideas that drive our actions and our decisions. So the motivations of the heart, the attitudes behind it are important. I have in front of me a book. The book is called The Power of Hospitality. My wife and I wrote this book a number of years ago after I had done a whole series, uh, even while I was uh, practicing law in Southern California. It was so powerful, the series was so powerful, that Christian leaders who had heard me speak on this said, you have got to put this in a book. And so we ultimately did, after coming to Richmond, Virginia. Interestingly, in that book, The Power of Hospitality, we have a chapter called, We're All Strangers Here. We're all strangers here. And it's true. If you go to the book of Hebrews, you will find that the the scriptures look at those, especially Abraham, who came from Ur of the Chaldees, and he had to make his way into Canaan land, 
now referred to as the Holy Land or the uh, nation or state of Israel. And uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says, he looked for a city with foundations whose builder and maker was God, but he came as a stranger and an alien. A stranger and an alien. Now, when Abraham came in to the various places that he came, he had to respect those that were there and their boundaries, and he had to go to them and work out arrangements for him to be accepted there in their land, which he did. Then he and his nephew, Lot, had a problem because they had grown so large and so powerful together with their their flocks and herds and so on that they had to make a decision because their herdsmen were getting into fights. It wasn't working well. So Abraham told Lot, look, you look off to the east or to the west, and you decide which way you want to go. You make your choice, and Lot lifted up his eyes, and he looked toward the east, toward Sodom. And he pitched his hint toward Sodom, and that's where he went. He had to find his way into Sodom and Gomorrah based upon their practices there and their barriers and boundaries. Abraham, also where he was remaining in Canaan, had to do the same. Borders were necessary. Then as if that was not necessary because of the need for respect of other people, and they have their own viewpoints concerning barriers and borders, God said to Abraham in the midst of a vision, he said, now, Abram, I'm going to make you a father after many nations, of many nations. And I'm going to appoint the boundaries of that nation that you're going to inhabit. I'm going to give you an eternal leasehold to this particular area of land. And that land, broadly speaking, was from Lebanon all the way down to the river of Egypt and from the Mediterranean Sea all the way over to the Euphrates River. That was the border that God gave to Abraham. He reinforced that border to Isaac and Jacob and then to their descendants, and ultimately David, the nation of Israel under David, the unified nation, actually occupied almost all of that territory, and certainly by the time of Solomon. After that time, Israel no longer occupied all of that land because they did not meet God's requirements to be in those borders. So God allowed other nations, pagans, to come in and mess with the borders and keep pressing Israel and pressing Israel and pressing Israel. And now Israel is still being pressed with the nations of the earth, NATO, the EU, uh, the UN, America through Joe Biden, and uh, the Muslim nations, they are all pressing upon Israel to give up even more land. In other words, the issue is borders. We may not want to see it that way, but that is really what it is. 
God said, just to put the picture in, in its complete picture, God said that he was, even though he was going to allow Israel, the Jewish people, to be taken away from their eternal inheritance borders for a period of time, he was going to bring them back. He was going to bring them back in order to keep his promise to Abraham. Whether or not they kept their promise, he was going to keep his promise. Well, guess what's happening? He's bringing them back, isn't he? He's been bringing them back since just before 1948. In fact, with the Balfour Declaration in 1917, he began to bring them back. He brought them back a million people from Russia as a result of the pogroms there. And he brought them from the West, from the South, from the North, just as the ancient prophets said he was going to do. Why is God doing that? Because he values borders. God is the one who establishes borders. The greater borders. God, after Noah, told his sons to disperse throughout the earth, and he established, that is, God established the borders of their nations. The Bible says so. Why is it that we have such a hard problem with the issue of borders then? It's because we get confused in the state of our mind Our attitudes become very confused because we're, shall we say, have adopted an admixture of paganism, secularism, uh, psychology, uh, biblical understanding, and we mixed it all together in a pot, and it's become almost inseparable. And we just don't know how to think very straightly about borders. So for the balance of the program today here on Viewpoint, those things having been said, I want to uh, bring our focus to what is actually happening with regard to America's border, what's actually happening with regard to Israel's border. First of all, Israel's border, because that one's a little easier to understand for most of us in America. God established the boundaries, and he never changed them. God never changed the boundaries. So, those boundaries from God's viewpoint now, not your viewpoint, not Biden's viewpoint, not uh, Putin's viewpoint, or anybody else's viewpoint, God's viewpoint, isn't that the one that matters? We have to make a decision. Is that the one that matters or not? If that's the viewpoint that matters, then all of our thinking needs to coordinate with that viewpoint. And we know that God said he was going to bring all the Jewish people back. He would send out hunters and fishers, whatever was necessary, to bring them back to keep his word. God keeps his word. He says, I'm not a man that I should lie, like the rest of you folk. So, he keeps his word. That's why the struggle is happening, though, because the nations of the earth don't want God to be able to fulfill his word especially when it comes to Israel, with which they have profound envy. They don't think it's right for God to have called Israel to be the apple of his eye. 
they don't feel that it's right for Israel to be called the chosen people. Muslims say, that's not right. That must not be what the Bible says. It must. The Bible must have been meant to say that Muslims should be the apple of his eye because of Ishmael. So they say the Bible was miswritten or mistakenly written. There are all kinds of excuses to try to worm our way around what God has said. But the issue of our time with regard to the matter of uh, the by the uh, uh, Israel is defined by what God has said. So we ask ourselves the question, the same question that Satan asked Adam and Eve in the garden. Hath God said? Now, if we once answer that question honestly, all the everything else falls into place. We know, if we're Christians, that we have to support Israel in its pursuit to secure the borders of the promised land. Now, they don't have them all right now, which means God is going to have to do something rather miraculous in geopolitical history in order to open up the balance of the borders from Lebanon all the way to to, uh, Egypt and from the Mediterranean all the way over to the Euphrates River. That's a period, that's an area, friends, that's about four times larger than Israel currently inhabits. But God said that's their land. In fact, he didn't just say it's their land, he says it's my land. But I'm giving you an eternal inheritance to it. That is a, a leasehold. As long as you will do and hear my voice and do my will. You see, the same way God grants possession and the right to enter heaven. It's a metaphor. A living historical metaphor. So, we have Hamas. Hamas is occupying territory that belongs to Israel from God's viewpoint. Whether or not you choose to agree with it is irrelevant. Because God's view is going to maintain the upper hand, ultimately. So you might as well get in line with God's viewpoint, because things will get a lot easier for you and for those around you if you do. That being the case, God is not against people, Arabs, who happen to be living in Gaza. He desires that they not perish, but that they come to repentance as well. And some of Amoeba are. They're seeing visions of Jesus. When Benjamin Netanyahu came out today and said he is not going to capitulate to the demands of Joe Biden and his administration, Anthony Blinken and so on. He's not going to capitulate to the demands of the EU or of, of uh, NATO or of the, world, the uh, world Economic Forum or of the United Nations. He's not going to capitulate to those because from his viewpoint, 
the land already belongs to God and through God to the Jewish people, and it must stay there. Therefore, so we cannot allow Hamas to remain. Now, we may be willing to allow the Arabs to remain in there because Arabs are in Israel as we speak now. And they're doing much better in Israel than anywhere else in the Muslim world for the most part. So the point is, who is entitled to the land? And the borders secure the entitlement. From now, we move to the United States. Joe Biden, who scrapped a good border policy, all because it came under the name of his predecessor. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Always a delight to come before you here on Viewpoint to discuss the issues that really matter and provoke our hearts and our homes. And this border issue is uh, really uh, probing deeply into the mind and heart of we the people here in America, uh, especially Christians, uh, trying to figure out how should we deal with this. And uh, the younger the person in, a, in our country the more they tend to abandon any concept of biblical borders and the understanding of it because they're operating almost exclusively by their their feelings at any given moment. Borders are not about feelings, friends. They're about facts and law. About facts and law. The question then is how those borders are maintained and who is allowed to to come back and forth across those borders. Now, as I said earlier, we're all strangers here. That's the simple truth. We're all strangers here on this planet. From birth, all men are estranged from God. Without Christ, we're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. But then through Christ Jesus, we're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. So because we're born into estrangement from God, we carry that strangerhood into all of our earthly relationships. And the sin nature breeds more strangerhood because it's fundamentally selfish. Now, if you want to get a book that will challenge your heart and inspire you, your family, your congregation, Pastor, it'll inspire your heart hugely. 
I urge you to get a copy of our book, The Power of Hospitality. An open heart, open hand, and open home will change your world. It's a $16 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get it in your hands. The power of hospitality. Because an open heart, open hand, and open home will change your world. This, my friends, when God got a hold of this man's heart, yours truly, about 40 years ago, concerning this issue, the change was so radical in my understanding of life, of our family and its purpose, of the kingdom of God, and how to truly live out the love of Christ, which otherwise becomes something little more than a theory. The power of hospitality is the one thing that our churches almost never talk about because they don't understand it. When this book was put in the hands of one of the major uh, Christian institutions in our country that deals with uh, people across the shores and so on. He tells me that he reads this book every single year to refresh his heart and his memory. He said, it's that important to me, the power of hospitality. Before Jack Hayford passed from the scene, he endorsed this book. He said Chuck and Kathy Chrismeyer have touched a nerve, an issue to which every leader needs to be sensitized. They make clear what the Bible says to fully qualify for ministry leadership. My home must have an open door. I'm not called to tolerate an invasion of privacy, but I am called to live with the openness to hospitality. See, he uses the word invasion. The problem with our thinking today is somehow we're equating invasion with hospitality. In other words, anybody that wants to get in should be allowed in, and so we facilitate the invasion. And that's just what Joe Biden has done. I have a couple of articles in front of me, this one from the Washington Examiner. Biden scrapped a good border policy all because it was Trump's. Some things may be true, even if Donald Trump said them. The article said, but President Joe Biden rejected sensible border policies that aid refugees, helped our border guards do their job, and dissuaded Central American families from making terribly dangerous and costly treks from Mexico, because all because Trump was the one who implemented them, and he and his people hated Trump. On his first day in office, Biden suspended the Remain in Mexico policy to dissuade families from trekking to our border with frivolous uh, asylum claims. Then he repealed that policy on June 2nd, right after he uh, took office. Supportive media called Biden the latest in a series of moves to dismantle the Trump administration's restrictive immigration policies. House Democrats 
called the Trump admin called it the Trump administration's reprehensible remain in Mexico policy, which forced migrants to wait indefinitely before being allowed to come to the United States. But if you can abstract away from Trump's role and then look at the policy on its merits, you see something very different. The remain in Mexico policy didn't mostly result in migrants remaining near Mexico's border, but with the United States awaiting asylum hearings in the country. It primarily resulted in migrants never making the perilous journey across Mexico, putting their own and their children's lives in danger. But the asylum process had long been a magnet for illegal immigrants, and Trump shut the magnet. Biden then turned the magnet back on, resulting in inhumane overcrowding at the U.S. border facilities. And it has been growing ever since. The problem wasn't not wanting to let people in. The problem is there has to be respect for the borders. Even God says so. So why don't we say so? The reality is there were motivations behind the scenes that had nothing whatsoever in reality to do with the care and affection for these so-called migrants. It had to do with political motivations, power, perks, and position. The moves to reverse Trump's immigration agenda, pausing deportations and safeguarding DACA, that's what it was all about. Mr. Biden signed 17 executive orders, including six immigration-related directives shortly after being sworn in as the country's 46th president. The Department of Homeland Security, he said, would implement a 100-day moratorium on deportations for immigrants in the United States facing removal and suspend the Trump administration's policy of requiring non-Mexican asylum seekers to wait in Mexico for their U.S. court hearings. In other words, he opened the floodgates to say, come on in, folks. And once they heard that down in South America and in Central America and in China and all over the world, it was open sesame. And the Department of Homeland Security did nothing to safeguard these new arrivals. Nothing whatsoever. In other words, these new arrivals actually were being used as a form of political slavery. In other words, to gain political power for a particular party, thinking that somehow it would provide eternal security for the Democrat Party in a one-party government in the United States of America. And through that, to be able to establish or diminish the United States of America and the allegiance to our country for what it was born to be so that we could be assimilated into the new world order that Joe Biden has bought into and is seen as one of the key elements to facilitate that agenda. 
In saying those things, it does not diminish the care and concern for people who may be fleeing terrible situations. They must be vetted. They must be qualified. They must be considered, and they must be considered qualified and vetted in situations that are under control. Because you cannot allow masses to come flooding in without true control, which is not what they're doing. So, you may think it's strange. Maybe not. But the news today, to show you how serious Joe Biden is about keeping the border open without any restraint, notwithstanding all of the so-called talk about this uh, big bill that was coming through uh, to provide support for Ukraine and Israel and uh, a little bit for the border. No, people saw through it. It was a sham. It was a pretense. So here's how Biden is responding to that. A new report is warning America that Joe Biden plans to use the National Guard on the southern border not for the purpose of securing for the millions of illegal aliens who have invaded since he took office and opened the border, but for the exclusive purpose to restrict Texas' ability to provide security. The confirmation comes from an Anchorage Daily News report that the Alaska National Guard said that a memorandum from the federal government had been issued directing Alaska forces to prepare two Lakota helicopters and 20 guardsmen to potentially be deployed in early 2025. What For what purpose? To secure the national boundary. And the governor of Alaska was removed from the situation, the decision-making process, meaning Joe Biden and the Department of Homeland Security is going to edict and command Alaska to join the effort. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Since God loves and ordained boundaries, anyone who opposes boundaries has to seriously question whether they're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, the boundaries are there to secure nations and people groups. 
your boundaries with the fence around your house or the legal description that describes the meets and bounds of the property that you own is a border. And you have the right, in fact, you have the responsibility to secure that border. You know, of course, about the woman, the mother, who was just convicted of involuntary manslaughter, four counts of involuntary manslaughter, because she allowed a dangerous firearm to be placed in the hands of her teenage son and then in the home and then facilitated the use of that firearm outside the border of her house, took him to a firing range, and then when she knew that his heart, his attitude had been displayed to be uh, dangerous, severely dangerous, she still opened the border to him to use that firearm, and he killed four students in his school. He violated the borders of that household, and that woman, and now her husband after her, is going to be charged with that violation as a crime. Why? Because they did not secure the border of their household as they were supposed to. That's what parents are supposed to do. And if they do not, and use reasonable diligence to do so, they will be held accountable. So why is it that our government is having such a hard time impeaching Mr. Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, who has done everything he could to facilitate the rabid flood of illegal immigrants into this country? Without any vetting, it's because there is a nefarious agenda at heart. And quite frankly, if that man had been those parents, he'd be in jail. He wouldn't be just impeached because he facilitated, knowingly and intentionally facilitated the avalanche of people into this country who are causing untold misery and deaths across this country. Why is it we just can't see things clearly? Yes, we should have hearts that are open to people. A heart of hospitality. We should, and we do and almost always have in this country. We have been known for that. You don't find a lot of people rushing off to go to uh, Turkey, do you? You don't find a lot of people rushing off to go to Belarus, do you? You don't find a lot of people rushing off to go to Kenya or Nigeria, do you? No. Why are they rushing to come here? Because they see it as the land of opportunity and a place of open-hearted hospitality. But now, for nefarious, wicked purposes, to abuse those people for selfish purposes, pride, power, perks, and position, we are in a dangerous, dangerous position today. 
And the nations of the earth are trying to put Israel in the same dangerous position. So Benjamin Netanyahu is having to stand and having done all to stand to stand and say, no, we are going to destroy Hamas. We cannot allow these people to continue to do what they are doing on our border because actually they are already in our border because Gaza, from God's viewpoint, belongs to Israel. Regardless of what the nations of the earth say, So, as we were saying, today, Mr. Biden says he's sending troops to stop Texas from protecting their border. The National Guard won't go to help Texas staunch the onslaught of humanity. Rather, it will do the federal government's bidding to keep Texas from preventing the folk from flooding over their border. The reality, friends, it is as if the current president of the United States and his administration are declaring civil war upon the country. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. It's a virtual declaring of civil war. Because they have a nefarious, ulterior motive to bringing in masses of illegals. Whether you want to call them immigrants, whether you want to call them migrants, whether you call them immigrants, immigrants, or whatever other kind of cool name you want to come up with, it doesn't matter. They want to get into the country. The problem is not that they want to get into the country. It's why the country wants them to get in. And how many? And under what circumstances? For what purposes? And therein lies the problem. Why is it the Democrat Party in blue states wants to give illegal, coming across the border illegally, voting rights in the United States? Why? It doesn't take a Philadelphia lawyer or a rocket scientist to figure that out. It's to overwhelm the election cycle. Any election. And then we have Republicans like uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, a mealy-mouthed fella that should no longer be in that position. He's pusillanimous. He has no backbone. And he's trying to play a game. And it's not working. The bill that he and Chuck Schumer put together in secrecy at night was said to fail dead on arrival. Senator Cruz appeared on television and said the provision in the proposed Senate border security deal would prevent states from suing the Biden administration and local courts for violations connected to the legislation. In other words, it puts exclusive power, dictatorial power, in the hands of one man, the President of the United States, and his henchmen, i.e. Mayorkas. Not only that, 
but all the cases regarding it would have to be heard in the Washington court system, that is the District of Columbia, which is made up of the most liberal judges in the country under the thumb of the sitting president. So, an article came out today. The immigration mess will improve when blue regions taste their politics. Whether one agrees with Texas Governor Greg Abbott's decision to bus illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities around the country or not, it's indisputable that he is responsible for making immigration the number one issue in the nation. His gambit was sociologically brilliant. He turned what was perceived by most Americans to be a regional issue in the South into a national one. It was in April of 2022 that he began transporting the migrants. He has now bussed over 100,000 to sanctuary cities. And there will be more. Because in December alone, Illegal immigrants came in record numbers. Over 300,000 crashed our southern border in one month. So now, the immigration issue, the border issue, has become one of the top three items in the current election cycle. Somewhere around 10 million have come across just in the last three years, 10 million. No restrictions. Their cases are not being handled and will not be handled. It's a joke. People need to feel the pinch of what borders or the lack thereof really mean. You would feel it with your own house. If a thousand people came marauding through your neighborhood, seemingly have nothing else to do but to maraud through your neighborhood, sitting out around your lawn, setting up their tents in your neighborhood, and you've got young children out there that you're trying to protect and preserve, And they're marauding through without any restrictions because the governor of the state has ordered law enforcement not to do anything to help you. You'd feel it. You then would begin to understand that borders matter. And they matter to God. Feelings are fine, friends but they cannot enslave us. Feelings are there to serve us, not to enslave us. There's a reason why we have laws. There's a reason why God established borders. And when the people did not observe the borders, he got on their case. And he's getting on our case, too, right now. When you eliminate the incentives for aliens to come to the country, eliminate policies, definitions, and loopholes that allow them to illegitimately enter and stay, 
incredibly fortified national deportation efforts, it is straightforward and simple to solve these problems and do what is right. That's contained in a letter from Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, joined by 14 other attorneys general in opposing the bipartisan Senate border bill backed by President Joe Biden. They say the bill for providing doesn't provide a shred of policy that would solve the problems Biden has created at the border. He alone has created them. Biden and Mayorkas do not need new powers or new programs. They need to be held accountable for dismantling border security and for refusing to enforce their clear immigration statutes that are already on the books. But they're beholden to money. The billions of dollars that are outlaid to NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that have a vested interest in drawing millions of new arrivals to the United States and coordinating their resettlement around the nation with the Biden administration. The bill prioritizes. It was just kicked down out of Congress. The bill prioritizes the interests of foreign nationals, corporate lobbies, seeking cheap labor, non-governmental organizations paid to implement the Biden administration's policies and the entire open borders industrial complex over the interests of our taxpaying American citizens, they wrote. And so we have it. When the American people begin to have to taste the fruit of the poisoned tree of liberty and freedom, just maybe will be willing to taste, uh, change our politics. This is not primarily about politics, friends. Politics is the reverberating consequence of our disregarding what God has said concerning borders. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Get a copy of the book, The Power of Hospitality, $15 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. You won't be disappointed. It's going to be inspirational to you for this new year. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.